Hi, I'm Margaret Cho. You're listening to Monsters of Talk. I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Jim Short. Jim, oh my God. Frank Turner's here. <laughs> this is so exciting. This is brilliant. This I'm pretty excited as well. This is so exciting. I am such a major fan. And Thank I'm you. thrilled that you, you've come over. And I'm um, sorry for the mix-up. Yeah, we, we, well, as I said, I'm not from this part of the world. We had a very lovely scenic drive um, after our sat-nav decided to take us to the other <laughs> address that you live at. I don't know. Yes. Um, and uh, so we had a bit of a look around uh, Los Angeles area. But it was nice. It's far. So I'm so grateful that you're here, and and now he is doing a show at the um, is it the music box? Uh, the Henry Fonda Theatre. Oh, the Henry Fonda Theatre. Yes, yeah. that's the music. The is music, that, is that the same on, thing? Yeah, it's the music box. It's on Hollywood Boulevard. Look at this. You know more about this than I do. No, it's beautiful. <laughs> they and should it's give you exciting. a quiz when you book the gig. Like, what is it also known as? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I love that because when you're on the road, you don't know anything. You really don't even no, know where totally. you are next week or tomorrow, yeah. where you were yesterday. Yeah, I had. I mean, I occasionally get emails from people. It's like when you're playing the gig in Winnipeg do will your bus be parked at the back of the building or the side of the building and I go I don't know (laughs) I'm gonna find out when I wake up (laughs) you're just thinking there's a bus that's brilliant yeah (laughs) I didn't know we had a bus lovely but you're on this massive world tour where you're everywhere and I think we're sort of a little bit on the same trajectory Jim and I are on tour also so we just Uh came from Salt Lake and um, we've just been like kind of going in the same kind of direction, like heading right. west. Where have you just been? Yeah, well, we start. We we landed in landed in Boston uh, about mm-hmm. a week ago, and then we went because uh, we keep all our gear in Boston. So we did Boston, Cleveland, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, which was nice. Um, Nice as a word. Um, then we did. Um, <laughs> so I think there's a story there. No, well, no, no. Grand Rapids. The show was great. The people were lovely. But just as a town, it was one of those things. That it was. I, mm-hmm. I walked around and felt like just nothing had happened to me. Um, yeah. You know, it was sort of quite beige. Um, then we did Des Moines, Iowa, which was uh, all right. I mean, Des Moines uh, is a great place. I've done. I've done a lot of shows in Des Moines. Right. And I would put them up with the greatest shows I've done anywhere. You know, like you think, oh, this cool area, this town, this hip place. And Des Moines is just a great people. Des Moines was fun. The people were cool. The only, my disappointment in Des Moines is that um, Des Moines is where Bill Bryson's from. And I'm a really big Bill Bryson fan. Do you know Bill Bryson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I didn't know he was from there. Yeah, he was born there. I mean, I know he's been sort of anglicized for a long time, but he was born there. And no one in Des Moines knew who he was. Which saddened me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. To think that their great, in my, as in my knowledge, their greatest son has been kind of rejected by the town. <laughs> it's like we don't talk about him anymore. He's gone. <laughs> He's left us. Um, so that was a shame. But no, it was it was a good show. Then we did uh, Nebraska, and then Denver, and then Salt Lake City, and then Las Vegas last night, and then here we are. Yes. And we, I mean, we, yeah, we, we were also in Las Vegas. So this it's, it's really sort of makes me think, oh, maybe we have the same kind of, we're going to go over, we're going to keep going. So you're going to go here. Are you doing San Francisco? And yes. then, yes. And up north, up the coast. And then that old, we're doing the Western Canada run. Oh, which is, nice. uh, I, I, is actually amazing. Yeah. I love Alberta. Have you been to Alberta? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's such a great part of the world. It makes me think of Texas in the sense that everybody else in Canada is rude about Alberta and then you go there and everyone's really cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of, I feel like it's a bit like that with Texas in this country. Everybody goes, Texas. And then you go to Texas and everybody's completely rad. And yes, you I have, do have, have Texas on a Texas on That, I must admit, was not 
planned as such. <laughs> um, it never I, is. I won a drinking competition in Austin that nobody else was aware they were taking part in. <laughs> and um, <laughs> then I was lying on the floor of a tattoo parlor. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah, yeah that's so, good, though. You know, I, such is the way. And would you say I just give, give me give no, me I didn't. I, I didn't say anything. There was a guy called Derek Martinez, who's a great tattoo artist, um, who had been saying for ages he wanted to tattoo me and that I should send him a design in advance, which I had forgotten for about the third time in a row to do. Uh, so he just got me drunk and tattooed texts on me. I think it's great. <laughs> I love your tattoos and I Thank love you. in your song. Well, let me explain. I'm so a fan. Huge Frank Thank Turner you. hardcore <laughs> FTHC fan um, Frank is uh, I think a, an amazing uh, ambassador of Britain <laughs> and a, an amazing songwriter but also a great storyteller well thank you that's very kind and it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing so and then your um, songs so many times reference uh, tattoos and, and so I wonder is your relationship with tattooing kind of before songwriting or kind of concurrent with it? Concurrent with it. I mean, I've been talking about them a lot recently um, because I've kind of, I've, uh, I mean, you know, I got my first tattoo when I was 16, which was many moons ago. And, uh, and I've, I've been adding slowly, but I've recently, I've tipped, gone past the tipping point where I've definitely become a tattoo person now. And, yeah. uh, and the thing is, when I get, it's when I start getting tattoos on my fingers. And it's really interesting because despite how, culturally ubiquitous tattoos are now there is still a bit of a thing that like i would just it was just after i got them done i got them done in, in last time i was in la actually in uh march this year and i got i was in the lift at a hotel and an elderly couple got in and quite visibly shied away from me and when i stood in the corner oh. and i thought and i thought oh no they think i'm a I'm, and it, do you know what i mean you realize it's like mm -hmm. now i'm definitely a tattoo person now mm -hmm. um and so they've kind of been figuring a bit more in my Imagination. Plus, also, I mean, one of the f funny things about tattoos for me is that you, re despite them being a quite a conscious aesthetic visual thing, to me they almost reflect not caring that much what you look about, what you look like, mm -hmm. because it's just kind of like these days. Now that I've got enough, it's like somebody goes, oh, "Do you want to get this done?" And it's like, "Yeah, go on, <laughs> why not?" Do you know I mean, I don't really care anymore yeah. <laughs> what I look like. Well, yeah, no, I understand. I have, I have a a lot of them too, and so I just kind of add on like it's mm. never the big jump where you go to get your first one right where it's a huge big deal and then you know that after that it's so much easier to add on yeah my the guy who does my most of my work in england um so i should i'm gonna seriously disclaim that he said this and not me All right. um he said tattoos are a little bit like um sex in the sense that the first one you spend ages thinking about it, it's a massive deal and you always remember it it's this huge thing and then later in life you're just kind of like yeah yeah, true. <laughs> Unfortunately. You know, you're at a bar and you're like, oh, go on then. <laughs> I know, it's, it's, it's closing time. Yeah. Better, go, better, go, better go get tatted up. That makes me sound like such a terrible person. Which, which, is why, yeah. which is why I specify that he was the person who said that. Right, not right, me. right, right, right. <laughs> well, I love your tattoos. And I think it's a, it's a great work in progress that you're just going to keep on mm. adding to as, a, as, 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 as time goes on. It's, it's a yes. fun thing to have, you know, I like like yeah. that yeah they're, they're, um, they're, it's I, they, I just it's quite exciting having a new one right yeah you know I mean you spend a little while kind of going ooh <laughs> looking at it in the mirror and getting excited yeah you get excited and then but then for me like I stop seeing them like they actually become really invisible to me like mm. I don't even notice yeah anymore which um, I wish I appreciated them like I did when I first <laughs> first got them yeah, yeah but there's also a great um, parallel that you make in your songs where it is like also scars too there's like yeah. tattooing and then there's scars which i know are a theme mm, for you yeah. and then so do you do you think like 
uh, I think scars are beautiful also. Uh, they certainly they certainly can be. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I think it's sort of it's a very personal thing. It sort of just like depends on what you associate with them and and how you got them and, and whatever else. But I'm kind of fascinated by that idea of sort of accumulation in a way. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, and and God, I'm going to get philosophical now. Um, irre- irreversibility in the sense that right. I think that one of the things about being young and about being in your teens or your early twenties or whatever is that. Um, the vista of possibility is still pretty much endless. You know, if you you could still change path dramatically, you could change who you are. You could you could be any of the things that you want to be. You reach a certain point though where you start making irreversible decisions. Do you know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. like I'm I'm now never going to be an astronaut. The, mm-hmm. This much is true. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 just the, it's off the cards. But and then you could also raise the money and go on Virgin Galactic. Well, so that's true. That's true. There's the that's that, that's the only thing. Or, well, so now you just have to I'm, be a millionaire. I, I, true, but I mean, I'm never going to be a close friend of Richard Branson. Yes, yes, I'm. I'm never going to be a teen sensation. That's gone. <laughs> That's off the list. Do you know what I mean? And and, and and I mean that. You know, you you sort of reach a point whereby there are there's a sort of certain amount of experience and baggage and indeed scars, tattoos, whatever mm-hmm. that is built up that sort of starts defining who you are as a person. And in some ways, it's a cool thing because it's sort of like, okay, this is me. This is my personality. This is the person I am. And in some ways, it can be a daunting thing because it's kind of like, wow, you know, I mean. I will never now be Rob Lowe or Britney Spears, you know. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's just yeah. it's kind of, or, or indeed, you know, I'm never going to be an Olympic athlete or or anything. I mean, that was never likely for me in the first place, anyway. But but yeah, and it's just it's sort of it's, so it's an interesting thing where you start kind of seeing a course of your life almost in a way. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And yeah. that was a very heavy thing to say well, <laughs> in a podcast. I think it's a very, I mean, it, it, it's a it's a very cool observation. And I think what is so stunning to me about your songwriting is how beautifully you put things into words. It's like you put way more attention into your lyrics than any, it's like a book, you know, it's like a, it's, it's very literary, way more than any teen <laughs> way more than Britney Spears. Way more than any kind of. I mean, it's so thoughtful, and I think, but it, it it's very it, it's a different kind of um, storytelling and different kind of songwriting. Something that is beyond um, rock and roll, beyond beyond poetry, beyond everything. So it's a very it, well, it's thrilling. And the people that I know who love you, they just start crying. <laughs> like they just start crying. Like it. You know, um, they they just they well up like they, he's like I uh, there was one guy who was, we were talking about your songs and he was just like I can't even like stop crying like I'll be like driving and I'll be crying and crying and singing or <laughs> running at the gym and crying and crying and singing <laughs> hopefully in a good way rather than this is way. so terrible <laughs> <laughs> I you, wish it would stop <laughs> you do you cut to the heart of the emotion well with thank words you. yeah I mean I've always I've uh, do you familiar with a band called Arab Strap Yes. Old, yeah, Scottish indie band. They yes. they're one of my very favorite bands, and I and mm-hmm. um the thing that I always loved about particularly that album Philophobia, which I think is their yeah. finest hour, is just the way it sounds to me like Adam Moffat, the singer, is standing directly in front of you with a scalpel, maintaining eye contact and stabbing himself in the chest repeatedly, and Ooh. it's and it's um there's something fascinating about it, and I don't think I'm quite as kind of extreme as he is in terms of the mm-hmm. kind of self-excoriation but I certainly he's a big influence on what I do like lyrically and I've just yeah I just love that that kind of 
like like utterly dedicated honesty do you know what i mean there's yeah. just no barriers whatsoever yeah you know powerful. and i mean his his principal subject is himself being an arsehole mm-hmm. you know and i think that's fascinating yeah. um and yeah. there's well there's a, there's that there's that brilliant line in it um in 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 one of the songs where he says i got drunk and told you i was thinking about having a test and you laughed and said i'd fuck anything in a skirt once i'm a wreck and it's just like that is a, oh, wow Zing, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's like, yeah. you know, it kind of makes you want to not hang out with him because it's just kind of like... <laughs> so honest, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But beautiful, like that's so, it's so beautiful that somebody can capture that that's, feeling. Well, because I think, I think that everybody feels like that at certain points in time. It's mm-hmm. just some people choose to admit it to themselves and to the rest of the world and some people don't, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think... Yeah, it, you know the people, and almost in a way, I'm kind of suspicious of the people who don't admit to feeling like that. Sometimes it's like, really, really, you've never kind mm-hmm. of sat in your own kitchen with three empty bottles of wine, hating your own guts at five o'clock in the morning. You've never done that. I don't even need the wine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I like I like that that um, side of things. But it's yeah, what it's a cheery conversation we're no, having. No, it's beautiful. <laughs> well, but everybody, yeah, everybody does try to put on this like this, this I'm the best person in the world kind of front, and there's like yeah, some yeah. people are assholes. Yeah, totally. and it's nice that they know that they know it and they're aware of it. Well, I think that, again, I think it's it's almost the, the great asshole detector is somebody who thinks that they're never an asshole. It's like, <laughs> now you're yeah. definitely an asshole if you think you're never one, you know? Because I mean, I like I don't know about you guys, I lie awake, lie awake at night pulling myself apart and the the things I've done wrong and the things I said wrong to the wrong person or whatever. That's mm-hmm. how I get to sleep at night is counting my errors. <laughs> <laughs> then you get to a point where you realize that's what everybody's doing and that's a great relief to me because I'm like, oh, everybody's just thinking about themselves. They're not even thinking about what I did. And it's right. like, oh, thank, thank God. Like, yeah, yeah, you realize yeah. that we're Why all doing Why don't we it. all just say it's cool and hang out, you know? Mm-hmm. That, would, that would be good. Yeah, and I mean, well, and I, I mean, again, I, I love that moment in songwriting as well when, I mean, it's a reasonably common thing, but when you get that moment where it's just kind of like, God damn it, would you stop looking through my diary, please, John K. Sampson from The Week of Ends, before you write your lyrics, because somebody just grabs something from your life and presents it to you, and, and it's so uh, so vivid, in a way. Yeah. Um, there's a song called uh, The Rat by a band called The Walkman. Do you know The Walkman? Oh, no. Yeah, 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 yeah the great. The, do you know that song, The Rat? You've got a nerve. Mm-hmm. That very first time I heard that song, true story, uh, I was I had just left the well the, the band that i had been in had broken up and i was starting to toy around with playing solo and i was it was a pretty depressing time because i'd been in a reasonably successful band that had then imploded because we hated each other's guts and i was a bit sort of lost and confused and i was in a club and that song came on and in the middle eight he sings when i used to go out i'd know everyone that i saw and now i go out alone if i go out at all and i actually had to have a sit down and a bit of a cry mm. in the club because <laughs> i was on my own in the club which is pretty sad in of itself yeah. and uh, and i love it when a song does that do you know what i mean it just takes yeah. your life and goes Bleh. there it is yeah it's a great moment it's really, I mean, it, it's it's like one of those rarities too. It's I think some pe- some people like in rock and roll are actually afraid of their ability to do that. You know, they're afraid of crying. And and what I love about you is that you're not afraid to, <laughs> not afraid to mourn <laughs> or grieve or yeah. express love in a very, very naked way, which yeah. is well, powerful. It's, 
Thank you. I mean, it's it's something that, yeah, it, it, that's what sounds good to me. It does mean that I'm probably not the best person to go out with or befriend because it all ends up on all ends up on tape and then they hate me afterwards. No, how could it? I mean, how could any, anybody hate? Because it's also oh, beautiful. Oh, you, you'd be surprised. <laughs> People get mad, but... You get they, that phone call, that, that, oh, that, that email, like, uh, uh, we need to have a chat. Oh, after, there's a song on the new album called Anymore, which mm-hmm. is a really, really... I was uncomfortable about putting in the record in many ways because it's an unkind song um and it felt like a necessary part of the mosaic in the end you know so i put it on there but it's not the whole way i feel about that one situation but it was it was an angle on it and i put the song out and i got a um what's the word i'm looking for kind of like thunderous phone call Mm. from the other side of the world you motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) am i by the i didn't ask am i supposed to be swearing on this you can you can swear you you can say whatever you want Fuck. <laughs> there we go. That's <laughs> but somebody recognized. Oh yeah, it was um, so. But it, it was that. Yeah. It was what? You, it was my ex. I yeah, mean, yeah. and and I and I love her very deeply and can't be with her. And it's and I had or already screwed her life up enough and didn't want to do so anymore. And then the song came out and it was just like, oh, I did it again. <laughs> yeah, it's but I mean, bad. It's, you have to sing it for all of the people in the world who feel that you know Mm. and that and the incredible weight of responsibility that we have in loving somebody else like it's just you know i think the song unfortunately sometimes the song is more important because it's more it's like we all need it for different reasons you you kind of like i think sometimes i do write about people in my work and in a very intimate way and then you know people do get mad but it it's like I have to express it right. more than I need that privacy. Right. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, for, I don't know, for me, the thing is like when I'm in the studio, I do everything in my power not to consider those angles on something because the art has to win. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It has to win the argument and you can deal with the social fallout afterwards yeah. and you do. But the thing that had to come first was, the, was that moment of creation, however you want to put it. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be glad that we have that song in the canon of music. It's it's more important, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, because of somebody's feelings, but it's more important that the song exists for the millions who need it to mm. just live. You know, this is what life is. It's very, it's a hard sacrifice, too, because if you really care about people, which I think, I feel like you do, because you wouldn't write so poetically if you didn't you i think i think it's it's hard but if you if you're really doing this for the world you have to really do it you can't pull punches and well and uh, you know one of one of the things for the new record that i did which i had i had this theory right about why some bands kind of i don't don't want to be too accusatory in the way that i put this why some bands kind of lose their edge after a certain number of records is you get used to being publicly analyzed which means that when you write you become very guarded about what you write because you you know how it goes and when you wrote your debut album you didn't think about any of that shit you just Mm -hmm. wrote and and you poured your guts out into your notebook in your bedroom with your guitar whatever and and it has this kind of like almost naive kind of honesty and 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 perfection to it and then suddenly you know if you've put out four records and you've got a manager and an A&R guy and a team and a band and, and you know you're used to the process of having what you do reviewed in the press and all the rest yeah. of it you might it's tempting to then kind of slightly kind of almost edit yourself before it, yeah. you even open your mouth and that is death 
to me. Like, that's why a lot of bands go from right. I mean, I hate to single them out because I do think they're a great band, but, you know, you two went from writing Sunday Bloody Sunday to that song that goes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it's just kind of like yeah. something fell by the wayside between those two moments in time, you know? And um, and I think that I was... I, and you can never kind of 100% escape that but I tried really hard with the last record to write as if I was writing a debut record and I was a kid hiding in my bedroom and no one was ever going to hear it you know mm-hmm. what I mean and I think I, hopefully that kind of made it better well, I think it's good <laughs> I feel like you know I've li- listening to all of your different different records and then I feel like actually you're progressively getting more honest it feels well, like thank it. Thank you. That's good. Excellent. Yes, the plan is working. Yeah. Um, <laughs> delving, delving deeper to get more messed up stuff. Although, you know what? I've start, I'm writing another record right now, and I've decided to write a happy album because Tape Deck Heart was quite a sad album, and I thought, you know what? Let's. I'm going to write a positive album that's about things being all right, actually. Well, mm, that's beautiful. That, that, but that is part of life. There are those points where you know that, that's not a. You, they, if the, everything is that way, then you get stuck only in like the. Yeah. Well, yeah. totally, yeah. Like and peaks and troughs. You can do yeah, 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 yeah. F- <laughs> Fucking that's, yeah. That's, that is actually the chorus of the song I'm working on right now. <laughs> Doing U2 covers, later period U2 covers. No, but yeah, you know, I think I think it's... Well, and I also I always feel it's really important for music to have a sense of humour about itself as well, even if you're writing about right. really dark stuff, which again is something that I, t- I love from Arab Strap, you know, is that despite it being utterly morbidly morose it's also kind of funny here and there mm-hmm. you know um the opening line of that record it was the biggest cock you'd ever seen but you've no idea where that cock has been brilliant <laughs> um and, and but it goes on to be this utterly crushingly depressing song about right. infidelity but it's um you know and i think that that to me is important because nobody life is not 100 percent serious mm-hmm. at, at all the time yeah. and, and almost in a way if I, I hate that sort of paradigm of the good-looking, well, it's signed to a large record label, singer-songwriter guy um, who's moaning about how utterly terrible everything in his relationship state his life is. And I always mm-hmm. want to say to myself, I bet it's not that bad. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. bet it's not that bad. And I bet that in between mm. moaning about how you'd lost love in life, you went out and got pissed with your mates. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, like, and, then, and then you paid your utility bills. And then you did some washing up. And then you had chicken for dinner. And then you cried a bit more. But the point is, if you deny all of that kind of reality in the middle of it, then it becomes unreal, the right. thing that you're saying. And then, and therefore, it becomes kind of tedious. <laughs> and there was laundry. And there was definitely there was laundry. laundry. You know, yes. in between the kind of crying and the snot bubbles and the kind of pounding the floor <laughs> and the wishing for deliverance, you also did laundry. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love, I love, I love, I, I just love that. It's like, okay, now we're going to have all these different sides of you. This is going to be the happy record. And then, yeah. <laughs> but I think you're, I think this tape deck are still happy though. I think there's a lot of joy in it. There's an optimistic streak in it. I'm kind of incorrigibly optimistic yeah. in my own way, which yeah. always surprises me because I always fancy myself as a misanthrope mm-hmm. um, because I like listening to kind of goth records and stuff. And, you know, I feel bad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, it's like I never wanted to have a tan when I was a kid because I felt like you're not allowed to listen to The Cure if you've got a tan. And uh, <laughs> so hiding inside going, no, you will not take my, my Sigur Ross records away from me. But... Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, it's it's kind of. I think that um, it's a funny. I did years and years of touring, where I wouldn't have anything. I'd be on my own on the train, and I would mm-hmm. do a stage shout out for somewhere to stay mm-hmm. after the show, and um, it only ever failed me twice. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this is in, I did that for about three years straight. And it only ever failed me twice. Once was in Italy when I'm pretty sure nobody could understand what I was saying and therefore oh, didn't no. offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and once, this is a sad story that I really want to write a song about. Um, there's a town in England called Ipswich. I don't know if you've been to Ipswich. Mm-hmm. It's a bad place. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just paranoid there's going to be Ipswich people listening it's to this. It's the Grand it's Rapids right. of the UK. It, is the, it, it pretty much is. It pretty oh, much no. is. But I was, in, I was playing a gig in Ipswich on Valentine's Day. Oh, and there, there was about 20 people at the show, all of whom were couples, and were planning on having a romantic evening and didn't want some smelly, hairy interloper sleeping on their sofa. Oh. So um, I did my stage out and nobody volunteered. So I tried then quite hard to hit on the barmaid in the hope that she might let me go home with her, but that didn't work either. So I slept behind the bar oh. on Valentine's Day. Oh, no. That's so... That's but sweet. But I that, think, yeah, that's not going to work, though, is it? Like, I need a, I need a place to, to. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't have taken him in if I was on a date. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's, like, well, it's like, Valentine's Day. Yeah. It's like, mate, I spent a lot of money <laughs> on this, <laughs> and. Uh, but it did work for a long time. I mean, you yeah, you had been like absolutely. You've been going. So you this was even like before before Twitter a bit. Like so, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It was know. literally just a case of standing on the stage and before your last song, you go, "Hey, I need someone to sleep tonight." And this is the thing: it worked out pretty much every single time I ever did it, which mm-hmm. destroyed my desire to be a misanthrope because it was like people are actually people are right. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, that's it. Met some amazing people, and nowadays when I tour, I always try and hook up with those people and um, and hang out. You know, and, yeah. and actually my big thing now that kind of fortune has gone my way a bit is I try and buy them dinner that's Aww. my thing I take them out for dinner oh, I pick it. up the check and you know I have a bottle of wine and chat about how hilarious it is that the plan worked <laughs> you know what I mean that's really great there yeah it's kind of fun did you ever come across like a situation where I was like I gotta get out of here <laughs> like it's like he's <laughs> just like, somebody tells him like I gotta I gotta get out of here like I I think the trust that that would take to just in humanity is quite a leap, but I'm a woman too, so it would yeah. be a little bit difficult True. For, right. for me, I think. Right. Yeah. But um, I did, I mean, there was some kind of, thing is I don't want to be rude about anybody who put me up because, I mean, they did me an enormous extra well, yeah, charity in the first place. There were a couple of people who were eccentric, let's say that. Yeah. I did also once get chased out of a house by a baseball bat wielding dad, which <gasps> was ironic because there was nothing, it wasn't a thing. Basically, his daughter had said that I could stay yeah. at the house and it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. But they didn't um, know. But he he kicked the door in and came in with the baseball bat and got the fuck out of my house. I was like, shit. Oh, no. Um, so uh, <laughs> I ran away down the road. Wow. Going, so you grabbed yeah, your stuff. I, I grabbed my guitar and I ran away. Yeah, that's classic too, that. Yeah, it's pretty, I felt like Bob Dylan, you know, or mm-hmm. Woody Guthrie or whatever. <laughs> Like <laughs> climb running and sleeping above the barn or something in the hayloft. I didn't do that. Um, I called another friend, but uh, it, you know, it was that was a that was an exciting experience. But yeah, most of the time people are just cool. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? People. I mean, it's, it's a self-selecting demographic anyway because they're people who came to see the show. Yeah. So yeah. they're probably not going to be people who hate me. Yeah. <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, but then also there's the thing where people might maybe not even let you go to sleep. Like that. That could be another thing where they keep. Yeah. Like wanting to engage with you. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> oh, I just, I'm going to try and tell this story in a way that protects the innocent because I do not okay. wish to. And we can bleep anything out too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. I did a show a long time ago and it was a house show. I did quite a few house shows where mm-hmm. if there wasn't a gig going, someone would just throw a party and I'd play. And um, this guy was like, you can sleep in, in my bed. And, cause, and it, was, it was actually in the university halls and he was like, I've got a girlfriend kept telling me I've got a girlfriend and uh, so I'm going to sleep in her bed and I was like 
great. Good for you. And thanks, man. You know, that's great. I've got a bed. I'm not even sleeping on the floor. And then I got into his bed and kind of, and I was tired and I played the show and we'd had a few drinks and everything. And I was stretching out and he was just kind of sat on the chair next to the bed, just kind of looking at me. And I was like, so this is me going to bed now. And he was like, right. <laughs> just still looking at me and I was like was sort of planning on doing this on my own really I mean <laughs> call me crazy and uh, he kind of went oh right yeah right right and got up and, and, and went and left me alone but it was a, there was a sort of five minutes where I was kind of like going oh <sighs> So tired. <laughs> yeah. Then, then he had to go find a girlfriend. Well, no, I think he had a girl. I, I met a girl oh, he did who, have, oh, who, he did who, who said that she was his girlfriend. She backed him up on his story. She seemed okay. very nice. But it's weird sometimes when, you know, somebody is a fan, it's like they do get, they don't think of you as a person. They have this hugely elevated idea of who you are. So <clears throat> it is kind of, it can be very intense. I know, I know what you mean. I, I, I do, and I'm sure you do as well. Do my best to dispel those kind, those kind mm-hmm. of attitudes wherever possible because they're, I think that they're unhelpful. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, and so well, and in the early days as well, it was a bit. I mean, you can't really be all that kind of on a pedestal, larger than life, if you're begging somebody to sleep on their floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you do get people, obviously, occasionally who kind of, yeah, want to elevate you or whatever, and mm-hmm. that's something that I try and get rid of brian gaslight do you know brian uh, gaslight anthem oh yes yeah yes. brian brian's a good friend of mine and he has a great line that he trots out in interviews which is he's like i don't know why people hold musicians above other people they should hold them slightly below yeah <laughs> um, i think that's i think that's kind of true um you know and it, it's it is it is weird but i think it's pretty easy to dispel in 99 percent of cases actually which is you just go over and say hey and shake somebody's hand and hang out and have a beer and then it's usually you know it's fine well i mean it it is it i am so like really grateful for fans and and really i i just i'm so like happy that people like me but then you know when you are somebody that's in the public eye you not you you not only get the adulation of people but you also get all of the ugliness of people too and that's something that i have a really difficult time with so i was really um i i thought you were so you must really be just centered to be able to just have that much contact with your fans and have that much contact yeah. with the outside, you know, sort of different different people that are like out there. Your your email is out there. You talk yeah, to yeah. everyone. I think, well, I mean, the thing about that is that 99% of the time it's a positive thing. There are times when yeah. it isn't, but I think that on balance it works out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I... Um, I always sort of have think that it's really, e- I, and I'm sure this, there's a parallel to this in, in in the world of comedy. But there's a that it's really easy to be in an underground band because the only people who know who you are are people who like you. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Which means your your music isn't sort of exposed to anybody who wasn't looking for it, kind of thing. Yeah. And therefore, it's great because you wander around and everybody tells you great, and then everybody kind of high fives you, and and that's fine. The minute you start getting radio play or TV or something like that, the thing about that is that you're being exposed to a much wider demographic and non-selected demographic you know people who are just listening to the radio and like more often than not they might not like what you do and that's perfectly legitimate for them to not like what you do there's no no one can possibly make anything that everybody likes but um the problem is that if you combine that with the fact that there are enough dickheads in the world and with the fact that with twitter and that kind of thing and mm-hmm. indeed with me with my email it's quite easy to get in touch you then get um the rather annoying thing of kind of hate mail and sort of shitty emails and whatever mm-hmm. else and you know, every time I get that stuff, I always just think to myself, you took time out of your day right. to tell someone you didn't like them. Yeah. Get, get yeah. a fucking hobby. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just, just, 
Or, you know, and somebody goes, I fucking hate what you do. And I go, you know what? There is more music in the world than one person will ever be able to listen to. Good for you. What you've just done is you've just crossed off a whole kind of column that you don't have to bother listening to anymore. You've decided mm. I don't like what to do. Brilliant. Count me out. Go and find a band you do like. And stop sending me emails. You yeah. massive twat. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but it, is, it is. It's like there's stuff that I don't like, or I'm sure you get stuff you don't like. Mm. I've never once thought, I need to tell these people that I don't enjoy yeah, their work. They need to know. Mm. <laughs> I think some people are just, they're just internet assholes. Oh, yeah. They just want to do well, it. Well, some people want the attention. Yeah. They want to retweet or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but isn't, it, isn't it fascinating that the greatest kind of modern invention and a, a, a revolution to rival the industrial revolution, the digital revolution, has first and foremost shown us that we're all kind of dicks yes yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean it's just well I, on Twitter you know they have the verified some people's accounts are verified yeah, 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 there yeah. need to be another one there needs to be a verified as a dick yeah yeah obvious you're twat. a fucking yeah. dick yeah. and that, that check just, is just by a their little, name just a little dick yes just a brown <laughs> just a tiny, oh yeah a little very small little dick. very 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 small <laughs> tiny small box. little in a box <laughs> <laughs> that'd be amazing and then where you go oh this guy doesn't oh he's a fucking obviously a dick <laughs> Well, I know, I know what this is about. Are, are you, are you verified on Twitter? I'm not verified. You're not. <gasps> I'm not verified. Are you verified on? Twitter? I don't even know how. How do you get to be verified? You're I don't know. Be... I don't know. It just happened to it's me. Some, I don't know. I actually have no idea. But, I actually, yeah. You know what? Okay, I was thinking about starting something recently, which is I was going to start a Tumblr. I've recently discovered what Tumblr is, and it seems interesting. Mm-hmm. I was going to start a Tumblr, which is a list of reasons why people accuse me of selling out because. A, to be successful in any way, people accuse you of that. But particularly if you come from the punk rock world, people just, it's just a sport. Do you know what I mean? And and I've had so many hilariously lame reasons as to why I've sold out that I thought I'd make a list (laughs) and publicize it. The first one I ever had was, um, and this is a true story, I was touring in DIY bands and we had a transit van that we used to tour in where you'd sit on the amps in the back. And one day we got to the point where we were playing to, you know, 150 people show and we could afford a van that had seats in it. And we pulled up at a show and some kids went... Think you're fucking Motley Crue, and oh. like, weren't, and weren't kidding. <laughs> oh <laughs> <It> was, my god! <laughs> we had that that's, one. That's actually a pretty good one, though. Yeah, it's like, a pretty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at you fuckers in your fucking seats. Yeah, you're fucking. Well, another one. Somebody, I did a tour when I was doing my DIY on the train touring. I did. A, I, I went to the same squat twice, and the first time I went through, I had a rucksack, and the second time I went through, I had a, a roller suitcase. Oh, I have back shit. problems, and they told me I'd sold out because I now had a roller suitcase. Oh. Apparently, back pain is integral and in punk. Um, but the reason I thought of all of this is that yeah, somebody accused me of being a sellout <laughs> because I got a verified thing on Twitter, and it was just like, oh, just go fuck off. That's <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not like it's not. I don't. Yeah, it's not like you applied and like. Oh, yeah. I need to get that. I woke up one morning and there it was. I love that you have your roller back. Oh, fucking Liberace there. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> <laughs> What is it Michael about Bolton. our brain? It's like, I don't understand why we remember all of the negative stuff. I remember the negative stuff a million oh, times more you than yeah, the positive. You, sc- you can scan through a hundred comments, yeah. 99 of which telling you you're a genius who's mm-hmm. the second coming of the funniest, best, most talented person in the whole world. And there's one that's kind of like, you used to be funny or whatever. And, the, yeah. and that's you sit there going, oh, you little... It stays <laughs> in me. It stays yeah. in my... Oh, yeah. in, it's, it is, it like creates a scar. It's like a it's like a total like internal injury that I, I will constantly bleed from and I remember it years later and it's so yeah yeah totally well here's okay here's an interesting philosophical point though the the thing for me is that I feel like as I've gone on and as I've done what I do for a longer amount of time and to a bigger level I've got better at thickening my skin and letting that kind of stuff wash (laughs) over me I mean not perfect at it by any means but better at it and then occasionally I wake up in the middle of the night and worry about that fact Mm. because to me to be to create kind of meaningful art you kind of have to be 
open to the world. Right. Do you know what I mean? And I, yeah. in a way, I kind of don't want to be so callous that it doesn't matter to me if someone calls me a cunt. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to be able to just brush past that and go, well, whatever. And what? you know, another one. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And it's just a bit like, and it, well, and again, I, I I feel bad for coming back to him again. But Bono, in a way, I feel quite sorry for Bono because it is just such an accepted cultural trope that Bono's an asshole. And I'm not actually sure that's true at all. Um, no, I don't think so. Do you know what I mean? It's just. Yeah. It's, I think it's, they it's, get to that point where you only see that side of them yeah well and but also you know in in conversation anywhere in the world if someone goes bono's a cunt everyone goes yeah fair enough and then you carry on it's not even a con- it's not a controversial <laughs> yeah. statement and i think that's unfair and but first of all but also the, the reason i mention it is that i'd imagine that bono is an absolute black belt ninja at ignoring public abuse because he's had so much of it he must be really fucking good mm-hmm. at not Letting that shit get to him. It's 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 the shades. <laughs> it's the shades. They block out. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's on Twitter and he everything. can't even read the horrible shit. <laughs> he can't read Twitter at all. It's just a black screen. <laughs> um, I think he's like very protected too. Like I I only I only saw them uh, one time with I've, no I've seen them twice. I saw you two when they played. This is how long ago it was. The Justin Herman Plaza where Bono sprayed rock and roll stops the traffic on his sculpture. It's in, like it's in the documentary. Painting. It's in, well, the, in the Rattle and Hum movie, yeah. That was the one time. But the other time I saw them in Toronto, um, I was actually, I, I added my name to uh, when Bono said, f- he had a big court case against him, against the FCC. He said, fuck, at the Golden Globes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah I then, remember so that. So he had this huge court case against him. And so I added my name onto like this list of people who were defending him and saying that he shouldn't mm-hmm. be penalized for it. And it was just, you know, this freedom of speech thing. Yeah. And so I um, was invited to go to their show and I was waiting. I was the only person waiting underneath the stage as they had it really like blocked off. And then he, the show was was over and then he ran downstairs and downstairs and he was in the, in the car and like driving. And that was like the, that was how much I got to, that was my meet and greet is him driving past (laughs) me and he saw me and he waved, but then he was like gone. So he was so like, not, there was no contact they even with people he'd invited. Right. Yeah. yeah, sure. So there's so, there's, some people are really sheltered. But, but, so he but might they were the band that, that, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, but no. they were the band that did that in the, in the beginning of their career, crashed on people's yeah, houses. Totally. I yeah, mean, they came they, from that thing. They were, they were kind of a punk band in their own way. And I, and I, I, I love early U2 stuff. I think it's mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, but I mean, the thing is, you know, I, I totally see what you mean about him being sheltered. But I mean, there's been entire South Park episodes made about him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, that's got to get through at some point. And I feel like he must be, he must either be a very sad man or be very good at ignoring that shit. Yeah. And and more power to him if he is. Yeah. Do you know what I, mean? I, I think, I think, but I think though, honestly, he's got other shit to not worry about but he's got he's got a he's got a life he's just who fucking true. cares well true true do you know do I'm I, in my house, house in the south of France I fucking don't yeah, really yeah, care yeah, yeah. If you, what you yeah, think of yeah, me yeah, you know yeah true do you, do you uh, there's a, a great U2 story I love rock and roll mythology right it's something I mm-hmm. adore I read loads of biographies and this kind yeah. of thing do you know the, the, the U2 story about them recording uh, ooh, I want to say Joshua Tree. They were recording that. Do you know the story? I haven't even started telling sure, it yet, sure. but I'm going to tell it anyway. The story goes: they were recording it. The band had come in, and it's with Eno, and and they tracked the whole. Um, uh, they tracked everything apart from the vocals, and everything was done. And they'd done all the music in like a week. You know, just bam, done. And Bono was just so busy 
saving the world, whatever it is he's doing, that he just wouldn't come in and kept like booking time and then not showing up because he was in Africa saving mm-hmm. people or whatever. And then eventually he finally he shows up at the studio and um, Eno greets him at the door and he takes his like his pager. This was some time ago, <laughs> um, and his mobile and everything. <laughs> just takes it off him and goes right. Look for the next six hours, you're mine. You're in here. You're doing vocals. You're not taking any fucking phone calls. You're not. You know you're all shut off in the world. Ushers him into the vocal booth and gives all his shit to, including his mobile phone, to this like spotty seventeen-year-old kid who's working the the reception at the studio. So they're in there, they're doing vocal takes. It's all going well. They're making some progress. Seventeen-year-old com- kid comes in, holding the mobile phone, shaking, and goes, "Phone call for Bono." And Brian Eno goes, "For fuck's sake, I told you one fucking thing, which is for the next day, you know, and God fucking know." And I told him, blah, 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 and has this massive thing, and then he goes, "I know, but it's the fucking Pope." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's true. <laughs> I bet you. But I love that. I love the fact that Bono had to sit down there and. Type in the Pope into <laughs> add contacts because yeah. it came up as the Pope, the yeah. Pope, or maybe just a picture. But that's an interesting question. What would you, if you had the Pope's phone number, what would you save him in your phone as? Mm. Pope. <laughs> well, if it was the current one, it would just be Frank. I think he's a Frank. He's a Frank. Pope Francis. I would say partial Pope. Partial he's not, Pope. Yeah, because yeah, he only has one lung. Really? Does he only have one lung? The the pope, the current pope, yeah. Only has one lung. He has one. Is lung. that a is that a theological issue? Like, is no, it, he's is the reference to St. Peter supposed to have? I two? call him uh, no, Wheezy Pope. Wheezy. Wheezy, Wheezy Pope. pope. <gasps> Wheezy. Demi Pope. Demi Pope. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's. I mean, that's a that's a great story. But I, he would be talking to the pope. Did yeah. He, did he take the call? I don't know. The, the, um, unfortunately, even Eno, even Eno can't stop the Pope. Yeah. <laughs> can't stop the Pope. <laughs> Has a t-shirt, that's, right? That's, can't, can't stop, stop the Pope. The pope. <laughs> oh, wow. That is pretty cool, though. That is great. I want there to be a, f- a Frank Turner book. The, the, the autobiography. When, <laughs> when is that? That'll well, well it's interesting that you should say that because um, I started writing something along those lines oh, a couple of years ago and then never finished it because I'm one of those people, I'm terrible without deadlines. And it was one of those mm. things that was just kind of because there wasn't a deadline to finish it, I never got around to working on it. Mm-hmm. And I haven't looked at it for like two years. But the, the, basically somebody initially, a guy from a publisher got in touch and asked me about writing an autobiography. And my initial response was get fucked because the one thing I hate yeah. is those like, you know, 23-year-old footballer writes an autobiography. Right. Really? Well, I mm. went to school and then I was a footballer. The end. Yeah. I mean, like, do you know what I mean? It's just like you've got. I feel like you've got to have either sort of passed your 60th birthday or won a war in order to kind of write an <laughs> autobiography. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, you know, I was thinking about it, and uh, I'm a huge Henry Rollins fan. Yeah. You know, yeah. And his travel writing is something. I mean, the Get in the Van Black Flag Tour Diaries is something that's been hugely inspirational to me growing up. You know. Mm-hmm. And then um, on my on my website, I have a list of all the shows that I've played. Um, and I was just chatting to somebody who said that they actually, a guy who works with younger up and coming bands in the UK, who told me he used that as a resource to find gigs for his bands because oh. I have basically played every small venue in the UK oh, wow. at one point or another. And uh, and I thought that was a really lovely thing that yeah, he was doing that. That's cool. And then it made me think that there might be some kind of social function in me writing up. Oh some yes, mm-hmm. I mean tour yeah, diaries because it's it's like you know like um. <clears throat> You know, a really a, like a, a road adventure. It's like on the road. It's like a Kerouac, almost like a, that right. kind of feeling. You know, you should because you have that that experience of kind of just going into all these different places and being on your own and and traveling like a you know this one man band and going everywhere and mm. staying with p- 
people that are coming to see the show, and it's a very, it's an exciting vagabond story. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you have a well, lot to yeah. say. I think, I think as long as you frame it as a more of a tour diary thing rather than like, I was born in 1981. Right, right. Um, you know, because who cares? Rock books uh, <laughs> like that are great, though. Did you ever read the one by, um, was the, the Clash's uh, road manager, John... Johnny uh, Green or Johnny Broad. Oh, no, I can't say I have, actually. That sounds it's, fascinating. It's a tour diaries thing, basically, yeah. of, of them, you know, and it's mm. really great because he's really funny. Yeah. And typical sort of, you know, like that fucking kind of guy, you know, so like fucking, it's the night we had to go to jail, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Rock and roll stories. God yeah. love them. God love them. But it's cool. I mean, I think, you, you know, you have a really great command of language, too, so it would be a nice thing to have, you know, in addition to, like, your songs is this, book that like you know like with the bob dylan book like chronicles mm-hmm. that, like that kind of yeah yeah you know. totally although i mean there's, there's this thing though bob dylan wrote chronicles rather later into his career than yes. i am mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. um i mean i think you know I, it's, it's something that i'm interested in philosophically and i yeah. think if somebody somewhere actually gave me a deadline and more than one day off tour ever then it yeah. might become more of a thing <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i could do the day i give you a day off but i can give you a deadline okay right away okay oh wow as okay soon, as soon as i think <laughs> i think you need to because it, it would be also as i'm older i know that memory for me fades too so yeah. i don't have i i wish i had recorded things like i i i'm but i'm bad with like writing especially if you're touring it's yeah. hard to actually make that discipline happen because it's like we're just always on the move. Yeah, totally. So it's and hard. well, and there's you know there's Breaking Bad and there's Walking Dead starts again tonight. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, no, I, I do know what you mean. I mean, it's it's. Um, <laughs> it it affects you. You start <laughs> writing about the time that you uh, made meth in the desert. Yeah, or and, got and eaten and by zombies. zombies. Yeah, yeah. That was a weird gig. Um. <laughs> my feelings also change about th- situations where yeah. I would wish I could sometimes not the memory hasn't faded necessarily, but my my emotions towards it have mm. faded, and that's what I wish I could recapture. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, if I, you know, on doing this when I started doing it, I was kind of going reading through old blog entries and stuff because I've. Been been keeping my book going since forever mm-hmm. and um and that was kind of interesting i think people are naturally stalinists in the mm-hmm. sense that people naturally you edit your memory of the past to fit oh, in yeah. with the narrative of who you are today of course. and and yeah everyone does it and it, and i find it interesting in a way to try and kind of like you know that see, that bit in 1984 when he finds a newspaper cutting that was supposed to go down the memory hole and didn't, mm-hmm. and it totally jars his worldview. Uh, when you get a personal version of that, I'm I'm a compulsive hoarder of bits of paper, and I've got a box, a cardboard box with a year on it for every year of my life since 1998 when I was 16, mm-hmm. and it's got every bit of paper, letter, flyer, gig ticket, mm-hmm. <clears throat> anything like that are all in them and I, I kind of jokingly refer to them as my um, uh, midlife crisis on ice because <laughs> because one day I'm just going to sit down and go through them and realise that my how I think about my adolescence now is complete bollocks and it was mm-hmm. totally different and I'm going to read it and remember how I actually felt and then have some kind of nervous breakdown <laughs> to be delightful I think it's great but that would be a good book actually to go through all of the paper and then see like what does this mean and then yeah. write a little piece about it you know the things that really move you that's yeah, a good exercise totally. I, I can imagine myself sort of weeping for lost girlfriends and that kind of thing for, for hours yeah, yeah. I loved her so much but it's good to, it's good it's good to have that that emotional memory that's part the part yeah. of me that has faded like the emotions and the the um the uh, event is there, but it's like I don't mm-hmm. have the same charge. Yeah, yeah, right. Because you've you've isolated it and yeah. and set up fire breaks around it and all the yeah. rest of it. Yeah, totally. but it is it is that it is that thing though that it your life now is in boxes. 
Yeah. It's in compartments. So yeah. it, 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 it is really like a thing like you've, it's like you've done it. So yeah. it would be interesting to look back, but you're also probably so much different now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, that's his pet theory. I, it's sort of the sort of so commonly accepted trope is that you sort of define who you are as a person in your adolescence and your teenage years, which I think is complete bollocks personally, because I changed more in my twenties than I ever did in my teenage years. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? If I look at the person I was when I was 20 and the person I was when I was 30, they're borderline unrecognizable from each other. Um, and, uh, and I find that interesting. Do you know what I mean? Wait, wait till you get to the forties. Yeah. <laughs> when you, when you, I think you have an even better perspective on everything, mm-hmm. and it's it is a great time. Mm-hmm. A long time ago, my mum, who's ace by the way, big up my mum, uh, told me that the great thing about turning forty is that you genuinely no longer give a fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. About what anybody thinks about. It's the truth. Yeah, yeah. you do. And I'm, it's a good. I'm looking forward to that. It's a good. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good place. <laughs> it's to be. worth the ride. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> well, um, we are so we we totally give a fuck. We're so excited that you're here. And where can people we, we where can people um, find you on Twitter? You are at Frank Turner. Um, and interesting. Um, that was another time because I, I used to have at FTHC because somebody else had at Frank Turner, uh-huh. and then eventually after a few years that one came up as free, so I got that one and changed over sell out no and it was like it's my name for fuck's sake <laughs> like i mean it's actually what it says on my passport i mean like, just for fuck's sake <laughs> yeah so so you could, it's at frank Tor- is it frank turner uh, at frank, at Ver- frank yes. turner verified elton john yeah <laughs> and without a little cock either as far as i'm aware. actually i haven't checked for a while you never know there might be one if frank is on tour right now um we are so excited about it you're going all over now you're going to go up the you're going to go up the west coast up yep. to Canada. Canada and people can see you. Yeah, we we like. I mean, we have so many shows coming up. It's kind it's, of insane, actually. It's great. What's, also, what's, um, what's the website? Uh, it's Frank Dash Turner.com. Frank Turner without the dash certainly used to be owned by an evangelical preacher who shares a name with me, who had a big picture of him beckoning me on his front page saying, come, worship with me. Um, <laughs> which was weird, although I did briefly consider changing my website to be the same. Just a picture of me beckoning. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yeah, beckoning. it's come to me. Um, that's a whole other career for me. Um, but yeah, um, uh, frank-standard.com and lots of dates. The other thing that I should mention is that if people are coming to the shows, I always pick the support acts for my tours. I think, that, first of all, I feel um, duty-bound to present an evening's worth of entertainment that's worth watching. And secondly, I get to promote bands that I like there's a band called the smith street band from australia who are absolutely fucking amazing at the main sport and the first one is a band called cuckoo kangaroo who i literally can't explain um but they are the best live band you'll ever see ever um but uh there is no there are no words to do them justice essentially i saw them live about three years ago told my booking agent about them who just hasn't has yet to see them live and he spent three years going because if you watch their youtube videos it's not the same mm-hmm. and he was just like i don't know what you're talking about i don't know why you want this band to open for you and i finally wore him down they're doing this story and on the first day the whole crowd went completely bananas insane and i was i said i called my booking agent and i was like i fucking told you man i told you <laughs> yeah so um so yes anyway come out for the shows i'll be fun. it's going to be amazing and we're so excited and so um you know follow him you could follow us uh, well, at Frank Turner, you can follow us. You can follow me at Margaret Cho. Where can they follow you? At Jimmy Shelter. I uh, think we should start. I think you and I should start a Twitter campaign to get you verified. Yes. I don't really it's care. Good idea. I don't really care. But I do. I don't even know what it means. Well, that's because, it, but it's the same as like being turning forty. You'll understand once you're there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do, we're, we're doing it. 
That's yeah, a good idea. Well, all right, excellent. I, do, I, don't, I think it's going to end here. I don't, I don't think anybody's going <laughs> We should get the, our, our Twitter verified, too, because we are. Oh, well, yeah. Well, ours, Monsters our of Monsters of Talk, of talk you, you can, you That can is a great name there. for a podcast, by oh, the way. Thank you. Thank you. And oh. we, um, we love that you came to be a guest. Thank you so much for thank coming you. over. Thank you for having me. Um, you can listen to us on iTunes. You can uh, uh, subscribe on iTunes. You can listen to us on SoundCloud.com. We are every week. We are always. We have so many great guests. Um, from Frank Turner to Joe Rivers to Billy Bragg to we're just uh, we're just everywhere. So awesome. We love we love it. We 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 got to we got to meet you and see you and this is very exciting. Welcome to America. <laughs> and uh, yes, very a, nice to be here again. Have a great have a great tour. Thank you. Thanks thank for you. Me. And uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>